Hi, I'm Kenneth, and this is the Unspeakable Vice podcast, where we talk about talking about sex. Sex is a dirty word, a taboo. It's just something we don't talk about, and we're about to dig into why. Today I have the distinct privilege of interviewing Flip Rodriguez. Yeah, my name is Flip Rodriguez. I'm mostly known for being on American Ninja Warrior for the last 10 years now. Full disclosure, uh, I've been a fan of Flips since the first time I saw him on American Ninja Warrior. And uh, several years ago, he came out as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. I was shocked and impressed when I saw this. Shocked just because, you know, that's not usually what people do on national television. And, And impressed because of the way that he handled it. And I've been particularly interested in seeing... Uh, being able to watch his life since then and how he's moved forward from that point. So I was really excited to get the opportunity to interview him here today. Uh, so uh, growing up, I was sexually abused uh, by my own father. So that took a turn for against more against uh, on my growth as an individual. And that really like stumped that growth, right? Uh, I felt like I, if I couldn't trust my own, like, father to be there for me and protect me, why would I be able to trust any other human being in this planet? Um, so it, it, it grew a lot of distrust in people, uh, even though some people may have had, you know, their their best intentions for me. Um, and fast forward to Ninja Warrior, you know, uh, JD, who is one of the producers on the show, was has always been constantly telling me like hey listen i feel like there's more to you so at some point we're gonna have the conversation interview and we're gonna inspire the world and you know five years down the road uh from being on american ninja warrior is when he was like hey listen man i think it's time bro like this this might be your moment and i had a bunch of good people around me to support me in the sense of hey listen we understand something happened but whatever you decide to do either way we're still here you know um it wasn't a ton of people but it was just enough to make me feel comfortable with whatever the outcome will be so uh we it was the day of the interview and jd said hey listen we're gonna do this the right way bro we're gonna have one camera one uh producer which is myself and then one cameraman that's it we're not gonna have our our normal like four or five, six people around. It'll just be us. Uh, and you can take your time, no worries. And I cannot tell you, it took me probably an hour before I spoke anything to the camera. Like just there crying in tears because it's like the words that I have never spoken. <clears throat> you know, so it was uh, truly, truly weightlifting after the interview. And JD was like, bro, listen, we're going to do this the right way. Like, thank you for sharing your story. Like, I never would have guessed it. And uh, it, it was truly one of the biggest healing steps for me personally. So it, obviously that's a, a challenging topic to talk about in general. Um, mm-hmm. did, uh, I've, I've heard that some people, uh, particularly as men, uh, have a hard time talking about these things because sort of being out of control 
of your sexuality sort of conflicts with our general idea of masculinity and whatever. Did, did you experience anything like that? Oh, hell yeah. In middle school and high school, man, I couldn't let nobody know nothing, bro. You know, I feel like maybe not in today's age, but when I was in middle school and high school, like the thing was to be called gay, right? Like it was like, oh, like you're gay. And then the F word, not F-U-C-K, but the other F word, like there, there were, there was always, that was the common uh, disrespect towards each other, right? That was like, that was like the hype thing when I was in middle school and high school is like being called gay and all these other uh, foul words that makes you not want to, you know, seek help. So uh, I feel like that's, that's a common thing in us men, especially if we're going through sexual abuse that because we're men, we're supposed to be tough and handle our own. And those things don't happen to us when your situation may not, you may not be able to control that. Like, well, how, what was I supposed to do at nine years old against my father at, you know, however old he was, you know, I was, I'm powerless at that point, you know? Um, and I'm so young. I don't know different. I don't know right from wrong. You know, no one had a, a conversation with me about good touch, bad touch, or um, what, what is appropriate, what's not appropriate. You know what I mean? Like lack of knowledge was there. It was, it was, was very, uh, I guess would be the most powerful thing. There was a lack of knowledge as opposed to, you know, they say knowledge is power and I didn't have it. Yeah. So, so at what point did you, um, did you actually realize that something wrong was going on? Was it right away or did it take a while for, for that to sort of sink in? No, you, you know, I always felt like something was wrong, but because it was, I guess to say normal. Uh, you just kind of go with it, you know Normal what I mean? In you terms just of, of your own life, of your own experience, yeah, my own life, right? Because you you don't know, you know, you have friends and stuff, but you don't know what they're doing outside of school. You know, you don't know what they're doing when you're not around, so you don't you don't contemplate those things. And you know, to be always the first one to be picked up on the weekend because my parents were separated, and then always being the last one to being dropped off you know, uh, or was, that was just normal, you know, that just was how it was. And I didn't know any better, but I, I felt like something was wrong because it was more of hiding, right? The, this, uh, everything that has been going on was, was hidden. It wasn't like the family knew in the sense of what was going on at those moments. You know what I mean? So for me, it was, I felt the hiddenness. So that, felt wrong because my parents were like yo don't hide anything from us right like you didn't tell us everything no secrets and so when when you feel the secret you're like well okay you say one thing and then we're doing another so like it does it's something's off you know but you don't know as a kid there's mm -hmm. this idea that i have that um a significant part of the trauma that comes out of an experience like this is the the way other people react to it i guess so it might feel like you were saying it might feel normal to you it might seem like just part of life uh to some extent especially as you're growing up but then at some point somebody reacts to it maybe somebody that you care about and and it's that reaction it's that horror that you see in somebody else that there's something terribly wrong. And that, that is what brings sort of shame and this feeling that there's something wrong with you, maybe that you should have known better or so, something like that. 
is this does this make any sense to you or um yeah i i i think on a deep level i knew that something was wrong which is why i never said anything right it's not like i went around saying hey listen uh yeah so what did you do this weekend they're like i'm like yeah well we played football and then we did this it's like that it's not like i brought that up ever so i guess in a deep in a deep level i knew it was wrong without knowing it was wrong you know because i didn't talk about it it wasn't it wasn't a topic of discussion ever you know when they're like yeah so what did you do with your dad this weekend it's like oh yeah it was it was great play video games with my brother and that was it like it was it was never like oh yeah we this happened like he did this to me and like and it was so in some deep level i must have known that it was wrong but at the same time it's what i knew yeah, you, okay. I don't know if that makes so, yeah, sense. Yeah, it's no, weird. that totally makes sense. So there is it's obviously really a, a feeling of shame, the feeling that this is not something I should talk about right from the beginning. Right, right. Well, I mean, I was told not to talk about it. Oh, okay, okay. You know, so when, when you're told by your parents to not do something, everyone teaches you always respect your parents and listen to your parents because they know better, you know, when in this particular situation, that is not the case but people don't teach you that. So they're always like, you always respect your elders. You always yeah. got to do this. You always got to respect your parents because they're your parents. But in this situation, I bet you if I would have went against it and I would have went really aggressive towards him and you know hurt him at some point or like defended myself, no one would have an issue with it. But they don't teach you the situations. They teach you, nope, this is right. No matter what happens, this, your parents are always right. It's like, well, eh, maybe not in this case. <laughs> maybe not. So um, you, you know, don't talk so. to your father much at this point, right? Oh, absolutely not. You... Absolutely not. I, at the age of 18, when I realized that no damage could be done to me from him, uh, I'll never forget because he always bought me everything, right? I always had a car. I always had the newest phones. I always had the clothes that I wanted. I always had the new gaming systems out. I had everything, right? So it's it's kind of a way of of buying silence because I had like literally had it all, right? Uh, and I'll never forget when I realized that, and I like I put my foot down. And Will Smith was such a huge piece of this, uh, which is why it was it, role models are so important to have, even if you don't know them, because I didn't know Will. But he said, what, uh, just decide who you want to be. And once you decide, just spend every day making that happen. Right? Once you decide who you want to be, life is like water. It, it wants to go around you. It's like, it, it, it's going to conform to you. And then I realized that, you know what, this is, this is wrong. Like, you know, once you get to a certain age, you know right from wrong, right? Because at some point, someone says something that you're like, oh, that that is wrong right and then you know uh i was just like you know what i just decided to not be beside my abuser anymore and just go you know i i'll never forget i called my mom on my my badass like sidekick uh joker black sidekicks joker style whatever it was back then i said hey listen mom, i'm gonna walk towards your house if you want to pick me up cool if you don't uh i'll i'll walk there and i'll see you and I went to his office while he was in the kitchen. It was the last time I saw him. Uh, <clears throat> I put my phone down and I dropped my car keys down. And I walked out of the house and never went back. 
do you do you wish that situation were different at all or are you happy with that uh which situation me leaving like, like would do you wish that you were able to sort of heal things with your father or come to some absolutely not no nope okay. uh the crazy part about it is where you know people say knowledge is power and i know i said a little earlier that i was missing the lack i was missing the lack of knowledge but the people around me in my family had the knowledge and they decided not to teach me so right. all okay. of this could have been prevented if they had talked to me sooner actually if they were to talk to me at all somebody should have said something to say hey listen this 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 not saying anybody in the family specifically would do this, but if this happens, you have to let me know, right? Like you, you can keep, there's ways to teach people about it where, you know, as a youth, like, hey, listen, this is good. This is bad touch. You know, if anybody, I don't care who it is, if it's your cousin, your mother, your father, your, your whatever, right? You list names and what, and you list that person in there that you're concerned about, you know, like that, that starts conversa conversation that like stirs the pot, right? But people just went because it was uncomfortable and people didn't want to talk about it, that they just pushed it aside. So that let him continue to do what he's been doing his whole life. Right. This is not new. People knew this wasn't like he wasn't this monster. Everybody knew he was a monster. Just no one decided to do anything about it. Are you concerned? And that's the raw truth. Yeah. Are, are you concerned that he's going to harm anyone else? You know, I, I've, I've thought about that. I think uh, with my healing process and everything, uh, I wasn't in any state to think that way, nor was I in a state to help that way. Because if, hey, listen, if I can't help myself, I can't help anybody else, right? Um, I think the best thing I did was put it on blast and put it out there for my family and everyone to know. Because uh, now it's, it's too late. Like when I spoke about it, the statue of limitations was over. So there was nothing really I could do at the moment. Uh, the only thing I could do is set my peace with it, uh, share my story, uh, and, and tell the truth of everything that's happened, and be that light where darkness is taking over. So you said this was really a... a I can't remember the word you used. It was a weight lifted off of you. It was it was a freeing mm -hmm. experience. I think you said um, from from ninja from talking on Ninja Warrior on the on the interview. It was weight lifting. How did how did that change your life? Like before and after. So it's it's the way I put it is most people will the way most people understand it is when you're attracted to somebody and you want to ask them out on a date. You, you get that nervous feeling, but it's not nervous, exciting feeling. It's nervous because you don't want to be rejected feeling. Right. So for me, it was like when I did the interview, yeah, it was uplifting. And then I realized like, oh, snap, like I just told four million people what just happened to me. Right. And some of those people are people that I know, like this is not going to be like, oh, well, you didn't tell me. It's like, no, I found out through the show that this happened to you. Why didn't you ever tell me? Right. So it's like everybody's going to know up until this point. And when I realized that, I was like, hmm, well, you know, let's see how people react. You know, it, it's and the, the best thing that I realized was that was my truth. And when I realized that was my truth, it is no longer my responsibility to 
understand how people are going to react to it or worry about how people are going to react to it. Right. It's my truth. I spoke it for my right reasons to help others. And just because someone doesn't understand it or someone wants to try to uh, make fun or, or try to tear me down in a sense, uh, that's totally on them. And I'll react to it as I can to my best of my ability. And my strict goal was to help one person. And if I accomplished that, it was worth any other risks that I was taking by putting myself out there. So, um, since you've had experience talking about this particular issue in your life, uh, has that changed other aspects of your life in terms of sex, like in terms of relationships or communicating about your other desires or preferences? Has that made that easier? You, you know, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting road. I feel like, I feel like I'm not the only one. I feel like there's a very common uncomfortable topic is sex right? Most people don't want to talk about what they like, what they want to try, what they want to explore in fear of uh, resentment, in fear of making made fun of or resent uh, resentment of rejection. You know, pe people are afraid of those things. And I don't think it's as common now as it is back then. You know, so I, I went through my trial and tribulations of like, learning how to be comfortable with somebody and being able to essentially explore with them right and try new things and get out there and and really be uh, dedicated to that side of the relationship because just like any other part of the relationship sex is a healthy part of it so if that's malfunctioning then now you have a dysfunctionate relationship because once that malfunctions then everything else malfunctions just like anything else you know you're you're only as strong as your weakest link so if your weakest link is communication guess communicate guess what communication is going to affect your entire relationship because relationships built on communication right so if if you have lack of communication in the the sexual department then guess what that means you're going to have lack of communication somewhere else because if you can't build your weakest link to become strong, then how are you expect to build anything else to become strong? That makes a lot of sense. I like that. So um, I know this wasn't just a one-time thing and, and you're moving on to other things. You're kind of, kind of like, um, and this is true for me too. I've been working to use some of the negative experiences from my past to do something positive with the future, to make the world a better place. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah, so re this past year has been, I mean, I'm sure everyone can can agree to it has been one heck of a year. So I've really been focused on being the change, right? To be the change. And uh, after my interview, I'll be honest, To I didn't understand fully to my full extent of what I was doing when I said my story in my past on American Ninja Warrior. And... I started getting all these people reaching out to me to, to public speak about my story. I was like, hell no, no way. Like I, listen, man, I did my part. I put it out there for 4 million. I I'm done. Like I did it. Right. And then it just kept coming, bro. It just kept coming, just kept coming, kept coming. People are like, yo, we want flip for this in March. You know, we want flip for this in September. And I was just like, no, bro. Like you're insane. I, 
like I am fearful of public speaking, of being on public stage. Like sure. I was fearful to talk to one camera and two people in front of me. You want me to talk to 1200 people? You're out of your mind in front, no way, you're crazy. Public speaking is first a common fear and second, no, like I, I didn't grow up talking to people. I grew up in the shadows, like trying to be uh, not seen. I want to be invisible. I don't want people to know where I am, what I'm doing. Like, I just want to go about my day and not let no one know anything about me. So now you want me to come up to a, to, to a stage with 1,200 people and tell them possibly the worst part of my life? You're crazy. No way. So, uh, you know, I, I was talking to my best friend, Sly Lewis, about it. He goes, dude, that might be your call, bro. Like that, like this may be it, you know, like you should definitely give it a try or whatever. And, you know, time went by. So many other people re reached out and I never took the opportunity until maybe like two years later. Uh, this lady, Angela Rose, reached out to me and I read her email and it just felt right. If that makes sense. Uh, she's like, Hey, listen, uh, we, we would love to have you on, on, uh, on our panel and, you know, we'll fly you out, you know, we'll give you the whole nine yards and we'd love to talk to you about it. I was like, all right, like, Hey, listen, like I have never done this before really. Um, and I just understand that I am not a speaker, right? Like I wanted to make that clear. So she said, yeah, no problem. We'll help you, whatever. You know, this was months down the line. And then I had a buddy of mine, uh, Jeremy Bates, who is a phenomenal, phenomenal motivational speaker. Phenomenal. One of the realest dudes I know. And he was like, hey, listen, man, we have True Hope coming up uh, in a few weeks. I said, listen, bro, I know your story. I would love to talk to you about it. You know, put you on stage. It, it's not going to be you by yourself. We'll, we'll just have a conversation. I was like, and this was in Stockton, California, like one of the baddest neighborhoods, you know, up there, up in NorCal. It's like um, where they're trying to share hope, right? Like shine hope on everybody that, you know, you can come from a bunch of different bad places and still make it out of there. So when we went to Stockton, California and, you know, we're going through it because we started flipping and like performing and stuff and. He's like, all right, you guys may know this guy, yada, yada, yada. He used to wear the mask on American Ninja Warrior. And then all of a sudden now the crowd's like, oh, wait, oh, I know. Oh, and like now they're like trying to figure it out. Right. And then they pop my video of my of my of me speaking on this on the screen. Like, yeah, but from the ages of nine to 15, I was sexually abused. Yada, yada. And like, oh, now they're figuring it out. And they're all they're all so stoked and so excited. And then. You know, uh, Jeremy, after the, uh, the video ends, he goes, this is my very good friend. We're going to have a very uncomfortable conversation about this. So understand yada, yada, yada. So please give him the utmost respect, you know, and introduce Flip Rodriguez. And I start walking out and I'm like sweating, <laughs> sweating, sweating, sweating. Oh, but anyways, okay. the point is that he, he gave me the opportunity to speak in front of people and he didn't just throw me to the wolves. He gave me a conversation in front of people like we are right now, but in front of a live audience of, I think it was 800 people, 800 kids that the school system was bringing in, right? On the buses and stuff. And I'll never forget it. And that's when I realized like, after I felt so much better because of the applause of like sharing. And then 
when I got to meet some of these kids and some of them were like, Oh, like in tears and like, yeah, like I went through that too. Like, and it was just motivating. It was uplifting. It's like, Oh, so like I could be an example for people. So I started with, uh, Jeremy Bates, uh, his, the group is called true hope. And then Angela Rose took me in to, to be on her panel for pave and that just started the ball rolling with me, like talking about my story and putting it out there in front of live people and, you know, being a public speaker. And I was just like, dude, like this is one of the scariest things of life right now. And, you know, it was, it was great, you know, so now I public speak about my story, um, you know, kind of the testament to you not, you're not your situations from your past. Definitely, yep. definitely good to have a, a role model, somebody else that, that can speak about uh, how to how to sort of get through this because it is unfortunately common. Yeah, more common than not. I learned, you know, I've, I've done my studies on it. You know, I didn't really, I was very, uh, what's the word, ignorant when it came to sexual abuse uh, culture because uh, I was only concerned with myself and not letting anybody find out. That once once I brought him horizons and I started learning more about the culture and how you know it happens more frequent than not and most likely by somebody you know and it was just like shocking, so shocking. So I got to do my piece to help. Yeah, I forgot to ask about the mask. Um, you you brought that up. What was the what's the symbolism there? And I know occasionally you still uh, put out material that references the mask. Yeah. You know, um, there's, there's, uh, two ways I like to look at the mask, you know, um, in middle school and high school, because of what was going on with me, uh, I always pretended to be somebody I'm not, you know, just so everybody would like me and no one would question any of my home life. Right. So I always had to be, uh, down with the boys and had to be doing whatever they were doing, even if I knew it was wrong. So it would kind of cover, what was happening at home and people didn't question it, you know? So essentially I had to be somebody I wasn't and I had to, every day when I went to school, I had to put on a mask to pretend to be somebody I wasn't. And, uh, that's a, that's a philosophy that is very common, you know, but it's so true. Like I, I did that for most of my, my childhood. Um, and, and then there's also this way I like to look at it is most people, you know, when I was on Ninja Warrior, on the mask, everyone's like, I love the mask. They're like, oh, bring them back the mask, bring back the mask. And it's like the concept of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Like everyone loves Spider-Man, but people don't really appreciate Peter Parker. And people don't realize that without Peter Parker, there is no Spider-Man. Sure. Like Spider-Man is just a costume, right? It's just, it's just something he puts on, right? So same thing with me, like the mask was just something I put on. I make the mask what it is, not the other way around. Right. So when I realized that, I took it off. I was like, no, like I got to be me. If you, if you want me, you're going to have to take me for me and not me for the mask. You know what I mean? Okay. So it, it was, it's kind of one of those things to just be yourself. It's okay to be who you are and understand that not everybody's going to like you, whether you have the mask on or not, whether you're Spider-Man or not, like people love Batman over Spider-Man. Like it's just not, it's not everybody's going to like you. And then when people, when, once people understand that people just aren't always going to like you, now you're ahead in life. Because no matter who you are, what mask you decide to throw on, somebody's going to have something negative towards you anyways. 
So you're me- you're better off being yourself. So the people that are around you that really like you, they like you for you and not like you for who you're pretending to be. Fantastic. Um, that's pretty much all the questions I've got. Is there anything that I forgot? Anything else that you'd like to to mention that you're working on, or or anything else that that's important? Um, you know, I think self development is very very important. Very very important. To be honest, um, I think we we get caught up in life way too easy, and you know, with all the crazy stuff that's happening, it's so easy to get caught up in the negativity of the world, the negativity of our own life. And I challenge people to change your perspective and see what they've gained from it rather than what they are losing from it. You know, um, kind of just always seeing that silver lining in the dark clouds. You know. Okay, great. Well, thank you again. Um, Yeah, of course.